2: your next stay. Find a stay for any you when you book direct at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works.
1: Hello, welcome to the podcast. Happy Friday. I'm Tracey B. Wilson. I'm Holly Fry. Uh, our episodes this week were about Lord Elgin and the Parthenon marbles and the ongoing controversy about them and calls to return them to Greece. I had an opinion about this before I started working on it, Uh, just from the knowledge that uh, Britain has had these in the British Museum for 200-ish years. Um, And uh, Greece has been like, can we have those back for about that same amount of time? And my basic opinion was, Maybe y'all should give that back. Uh, And now, after having done all this research and having, like, read all of this uncertainty about the Furman and the fact that um, Elgin's whole point was, like, to put them in a shed on his personal property and they got shipwrecked and damaged through overcleaning along the way, I I have the same opinion as before, but, like, ten times as vehement as I did (laughs) before I got into it. Right. Do you
2: consider any speculation about what could have happened to them if he had not removed them?
1: I actually, yes. So, uh, it's pretty clear uh, from a lot of different angles that if he had not removed them at all, they would have had further damage. Like, there's there's just been a lot of documentation about, like, the ongoing vandalism. Right. Um, ongoing damage through all of those monuments for the pieces that were that remained there basically from the 19th century when Elgin was there doing that work into the early 20th century with Greece becoming um an independent nation as it exists more as it exists today it was still a little the structure was a little different when it first became independent than it than it has become but i think that argument like that's there's a valid argument to be made there that if if somebody had not removed a lot of this artwork and protected it then it would have been damaged further. But at this point, like, the nation of Greece has done so much work to build the museum yeah. and to clean up its air quality and all that other stuff, uh, and just persistently said, can, can we please have that back? Uh, it's like, okay, if we have this argument of, yes, these pieces in a lot of ways were protected, in some ways they weren't protected because they wound up being shipwrecked and overcleaned and all this other stuff, like, okay, the the need to have them protected in this way is is over. Maybe we can return them to Greece now. I also feel like there are some really complicated issues there. Oh yeah, involving sort of like the the paternalism of a lot of a, a lot of things we've talked about in in on some previous shows before. Um, when when uh, somebody has said, "Oh, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure to preserve these things because the local people don't seem to know what they have here." without really asking the local people or finding out what they do actually know or finding out, like, what the meanings of these sites are. Uh, and, like, it becomes kind of a complicated thing where somebody kind of tromps in and says, I know what's best in this situation. right? Which is not necessarily true. A lot of the arguments against returning some of the things that nations have said, can we please have that back? It's an important part of our cultural heritage. And it was like, it was removed during a colonial period or during a war, or we don't know how. Somebody took it and we don't have it anymore. Like, a lot of the uh, arguments that people make for not returning them, like, some of them kind of boil down to the idea of, well, we won't be able to see it in the museum if we give it back to you. right? And, like, there is an element of racism in that argument a lot of the time. Like, <laughs> like we need to make it easier for the white people to see this art is kind of the core argument of that sometimes. And that's it's a little disturbing. Well, especially because
2: I think that that argument gets made in a way that is particularly nefarious, which is like, there is this veneer, not always, but sometimes of the white people need to see this art because we're trying to understand you. Like, it's almost like we're so magnanimous. We're trying to appreciate other cultures and you're not letting us. And it's like, that is a twisted way to look at this whole thing. Yeah, That's where my hackles get super up. I keep trying to think about it in two ways that are conflicting. One is like on a micro level of like, have you ever known someone in your personal life who had some... Treasure that was perhaps in their family for a long time, and they clearly are not taking care of it and don't understand what it is. And there is that whole like, I really wish you would just let me take this thing because it's going to be a wreck if I leave it with you forever. And I understand that, but at the same time, it's theirs.
1: Right. But then
2: I also think in the much bigger, bigger picture of like all of these concepts of. Nationality and identity around it are to some degree constructs that we have made up around lines that are imaginary that we have drawn on maps. And like that makes it a little trickier. I, I, I don't – the two work at odds. Like I said, it's not. Yeah. it's not an yeah. easy thing. And I do understand – I mean, I certainly know that I have been to museums and stood there and looked at things that were from cultures very far away from my own and loved them and been very happy to see them. But I also can't deny that, like – hey, it sure would be cool for the people more connected to this to have access to it.
1: Yeah, yeah. You and I, I mean, we've talked about our love for museums on the show a lot. Like, that's come up a lot of times. And I do love museums, and I, I think museums can serve a really valuable role. And I think that well, a lot of museums are really struggling right now as they sort of realize that like, I I mean, I live, I live in Massachusetts. Uh, the Boston Museum of Fine Arts has had a series of incidents where like they planned an event that was supposed to be something positive without really taking into account the people they were actually representing. Right. Like, uh and, and, you know, it, it reflects the fact that in a lot of museums, the, the, the curators are mostly white. The board is mostly white. And, and not necessarily, I'm not saying that white people can't do this job, but not really having the viewpoints of the people whose artwork they're they're curating and representing. And like that shi- shines through sometimes. So, so I can see how museums can be really problematic in, in that kind of programming. And then also at the same time, I, I often will be at a museum looking at a piece in front of me and my thought is like, where did you get this? Right and how. Like, that's the thing that I, I am thinking about a lot of the times when, I, when I'm when I looking at a museum. Also, it's not entirely within the scope of the episode that we just talked about, but this idea that if Britain returns the Parthenon marbles, a whole lot of other museums are going to, like, it's going to start this landslide of museums having to return stuff. Like, I think people have sort of this imaginary situation where Britain returns the Parthenon marbles and then the people show up with the pitchforks and the torches demanding all of the art back, and the walls are going to be totally empty. Like, there's this weird fear, like, that's going to be the next step, which I don't think is really what would happen. Um, (laughs) But that kind of fear has led to a couple of just really appalling crimes that I know about. Um, One of them is, here in the United States— after the passage of the Native American Graves Protection and Repatriation Act, a guy named Thomas Munson, who was acting as the park superintendent at um, at Effigy Mounds National Monument, which has its own whole series of controversies in its history, he stole the bones of, like, 41 different people that had been housed in their collection. The reason that he stole it is that so those remains wouldn't be repatriated to the people that they belonged to. Right. And in doing so, he basically destroyed the context of all of those pieces. Like, that's like, okay, now how do we figure out who all these bones belong to and who they should be repatriated to? Like, that was just a really horrifying crime that was motivated by racism and by this fear of, like, returning things to the cultures that they came from.
2: Yeah. I also wonder if... There is another fear that has not really been introduced, and this is purely speculation, so please don't museum people come after me. But I really wonder if there is a subtler fear that, Starting to do something like this, repatriating these marbles, will open up a Pandora's box where people really start looking a lot more closely in general at the provenance of art pieces that are mm-hmm. often in museums, and it will reveal that are, there are a lot of dirty hands along the way. Like, yeah, there are a lot of pieces of art that have been, you know, passed around through various private collectors that probably never should have been in the hand. a lot of the hands that they were in, and... That opens up a whole other moral discussion similarly of, like, should a museum buy a piece of art from a private collector where maybe they don't know how that person got it? And it may not be an entirely above-board providence lineage in terms of when it was created to when this person has their hands in it. They're theoretically taking it out of the hands of somebody that shouldn't have it and putting it on a wall, but they are also indirectly perpetuating the problem. Right. I worry that that, too, is probably part of the discussion either not happening but being thought about or happening but being – happening in a much quieter (laughs) way. Right, right. It does open, like I said, a Pandora's box of how art has moved through the world for centuries.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I think that's probably likely an element in it also. Yeah. It's such a whole huge – complicated important issue because like I've definitely been inspired to learn more about things by things I saw and saw in museums and I've learned a lot from museums and like, there are so many like indigenous people people of color saying like hey that that's actually ours like it's it's not yours and I think there's a really incredibly impo- important voices to listen to and elevate uh, in all of this and in a lot of cases um when museums have started working more directly with the people whose artifacts are in their collections, like that's really made the museum's experience a whole lot richer in terms of what information they've been able to share, how they've been able to curate their own collections. I am hopeful that like the the world of museums will just continue to get more diverse and and richer in that way. And and like we'll sort of arrive at a place at some point in the future, maybe not in my lifetime <laughs> where where it feels like uh, museums really are curating things in a way that is uh, always respectful and thoughtful of the the people whose um whose artifacts are are in the collection. I feel like
2: we have inadvertently stumbled into like a really good television show pitch. Please don't anyone do this. Um, where we have the main hero is a person who, steals from museums a la Robin Hood to repatriate them to the places they belong. It could be it's like, like Kung Fu
1: where they're a traveler and we yeah. <laughs> we see
2: them each week doing good in the world.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking reverse Indiana Jones, and kind of, that of yeah. in the museum. Like I'm going to take this back to the people it belongs to you.
2: Well, although Indiana Jones at least wanted them in museums <laughs> versus yes. versus the people that wanted to do other things with them. Uh, but yeah, I uh, yeah, this is going to be a great show. We're going to pitch it. We're going <laughs> to. Uh, it's going to be imitatable, which is going to be unfortunate. There will be subsequent lawsuits. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. we found out how we meet our ruin, and uh, it's going to be
1: a great ride. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Also, I know that all this stuff that we've just talked about for the last, uh, I guess, 10 or 12 minutes, a lot of people have really passionate opinions about this. And we will probably hear from people in our listener mail um, of people who agree or disagree of all the various things that we have said. To spin that
2: in the most positive way I can,
1: it's because Uh art means that much. It does.
2: Like, that's, to me, part of, like, the, the case to be made for art. When people are like, eh, art, uh, it means a lot to people culturally and historically, as well as just it evokes a lot of emotion because it is art. Uh, that's
1: my positive spin on that. <laughs> uh, it is good that uh, that folks care uh, about this. Um, like I said, I'd, I I really, I, I would, like... Those marbles to be back in Athens one day. Yeah. It's also would be a nice
2: excuse for a trip to Athens to go see them.
1: Yeah. I mean fingers I'm, crossed. Trips to lots of places. So um if you would like to write to us about this or our other podcasts, we're at history podcast at iheartmedia.com and all over social media at Missed in history. And you can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts or the iHeartRadio app or anywhere else you like to get podcasts. Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
0: Happy Pride from Tomboy X